Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Duck Pod. I'm Registered Guard columnist Austin Meek here with Ryan Thorburn. Uh, our guest this week uh, won a state championship at Sheldon, uh, went on to become the career passing leader at Washington State before a couple guys named Connor Halliday and Luke Falk came along. And uh, now he's involved uh, with the radio crew for the Cougars and also does some seven-on-seven football in the state of Oregon. Alex Brink is with us today. Alex, thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Happy to be here. We'll start off with, um, so I mentioned a couple things that you're doing right now. Just just tell people a little, a little bit about what you've got going on um, with uh, your radio work with the Cougars and also with the E4 7-on-7 League here in the, the state of Oregon. Yeah, absolutely. I've been really fortunate um, to be a part of the broadcast crew for WQIMG, and so um, I'm a part of the pregame show um, that can be heard on various stations throughout the Northwest uh, about two hours before game time. And myself and uh, our host, Derek Geist, kind of break down the game and talk about um, our views and things uh, to look for during the game. Um, and then, yeah, my, you kind of mentioned briefly, my, my full time is um, with E4 Sports, which is um, a company I started with former Oregon safety Ryan DePaulo and Part of that is our, our football skill development and seven-on-seven. Seven. So we have um, various seven-on-seven seven teams of all ages that we travel throughout kind of the West Coast and occasionally nationally and have a lot of fun with that, have, have been able to work with a lot of really talented athletes and kind of help raise the game of, uh, of football here in the Northwest. Um, but also day-to-day uh, sports performance is, is a major focus of what we do. We have a couple of facilities here in the Portland area where we do strength and speed training. Alex, I'm curious, um, when Justin Herbert was coming up, another Sheldon guy, um, how familiar with Justin were you, and what do you think of him? Obviously, he's injured this week, and uh, coincidentally, another Sheldon guy could be getting uh, some looks on offense in Taylor Alley. Just kind of your thoughts on Justin and, and Oregon's QB situation with a couple local guys. Yeah, um, you know, first and foremost, uh, Justin Herbert is a, a young man I know very well. Knew him when he was at Sheldon, knew his older brother Mitch when he was at Sheldon. Um, obviously, an incredibly talented family. Uh, his younger brother Patrick uh, played on our 7 on 7 team this year. Um, and Justin was a guy that was, you know, a very active three sport athlete and talented in, in all three sports. So, um, although he didn't participate in 7 on 7, you know, he, he did some camps and trainings with, uh, with us. And so, saw him as he was coming up. I always thought he was. 
um, wildly under recruited, and and it was until that Oregon offer came, I really thought it was going to be a shame if, if he didn't get that Pac-12 opportunity. So I was really happy that he did. Um, no surprise, in, in my opinion, that he has had the talent, or excuse me, the success he's had so far. And um, I honestly believe, and, and I said this on the radio here in Portland just a couple weeks ago. I think he's, you know, the second or third best quarterback in the Pac-12 when he's healthy and rolling. And by the time it's all said and done, I think he's going to be one of the best, um, one of the best to ever come out of, of um, the Pac-12. So I'm super fired up for him as a local kid to see what he's doing and, and carrying kind of the, the rise of that program again here in, in year two um, for him. But uh, Taylor Alley, you know, you got to give credit to everything he's done over his career, being a walk-on from Sheldon, was very successful in his own right at Sheldon, leading the team to a state championship, and obviously an incredible athlete that can go back and forth between receiver and quarterback and just doing whatever the coaches asked of him. You know, talking, my experience the last uh, this last spring, talking with Coach Arroyo, uh, you know, I know he thought highly of, of Taylor Alley and was really impressed that he could step back in after um, after the transfers um, during the spring. So it'll be interesting to see this this weekend. You know, frankly, um, Washington State's defense is playing really well, and so it'll be a challenge for whoever's in at quarterback, Alley or Burmeister, um, come Saturday. There's been a great run of Sheldon quarterbacks lately, and that goes back to you in the in the early 2000s. You went to Washington State and after you got done at, at Sheldon. Um, a little before Mike Leach got there, um, but you've had a chance to see what he's done with the program. Uh, just what's your perception of, of what Mike Leach has done in, in building that team, and, and do you wonder what kind of numbers you would have put up playing in his offense? Yeah, sometimes you know, sometimes we joke. Um, I think my senior year, I had something like 500 pass attempts, which was which was a lot at the time, and you know, it's maybe like two thirds of what they'll do this year or whatever it is. So the, in the end, it's it's kind of fun to joke about, but it, in you know, in all seriousness, Coach Leach has done an incredible job with the Washington State program. Bill Moose as the athletic director, who all Oregon fans know well, has you know brought that same sort of Midas touch to. Washington State, and, and we've seen it with the facility upgrades in Pullman, um, you know, some of the turnover in staff and who he's brought in and the success they've had. And ultimately with Coach Leach, it's been um, a commitment to his process that is, you know, rightfully so, rightfully so a little unique at times. I think we all see that. Um, but it's been a proven winner in, at Texas Tech, and it's, it's so far it's been proven at Washington State, and you're really starting to see that upswing you know, happen in, in year six of uh, Mike Leach at Washington State. Oregon fans are probably like, when is Luke Falk ever going to graduate at this point? He's really shredded them the last two years, and, and he's a, a four-year guy. Um, Mike Leach has produced guys that have gotten opportunities in the NFL. They never really um, thrived in the NFL. What Do you think Luke Falk's a, a different breed, and it's it's more than just system with him that he could – you know, do do a lot of damage for any offense. You know, I I, I do actually, which um, you know, people have talked about it, talked about it going into this year that Luke Falk maybe breaks that mold of the Mike Leach quarterback who who doesn't find success, you know, outside of college. Uh, and I think there's a few reasons for that. You know, one, the system does do you does do you a lot of favors as a quarterback. It's there's relatively easy throws. There's the reads are pretty simplified. Um, you know, you're obviously in the shotgun. You're throwing a lot of quick game things like that, but you know, what Luke Falk does really well is he has a great command of the line of scrimmage. He was very fortunate early in his career to have a, a former Texas Tech quarterback, Mike Leach quarterback, Graham Harrell, on staff 
who had, was probably the most successful, in my opinion, of all of all Coach Leach's quarterbacks at the next level, being a backup for Green Bay and playing a handful of snaps. But, you know, Graham kind of brought a different perspective, added, you know, more of the reading of coverage and processing information like an NFL player would to the already the concepts that Coach Leach runs, which are, are really good concepts in all honesty. And so by marrying those two things together, he gave Luke Falk a little bit of an edge and a taste of what's to come. You know, if you read a little bit about Luke Falk, and and I know him personally, you quickly find out that he is incredibly dedicated to his craft. He's he's a guy that you know stories are. He's walking to class and he's got his headphones in, and most kids are listening to music or whatever at the time. He's listening to play calls in his ears uh, (laughs) so he can memorize them. Right? It's like it's wild. He he emulates Tom Brady. He studies and not just studies him, you know, as a person, but watches film, watches his mannerisms, how he handles himself all the time. So he's got kind of this unique edge outside of all the talent and his ability that I think, you know, gives him something different than all those other quarterbacks had. You've been around this Washington State program. They've been getting better every year, it seems like, with Mike Leach. But it also seems like they've been one of the more unpredictable teams in the Pac-12. They've had some losses the last few years that make you scratch your head. Lost to FCS teams the last couple years. So this year they're 5-0. and um, They they have played well up to this point, coming off a big win against USC. Do you see something different about this Washington State team uh, and, and how do you think they'll handle uh, coming off the high of that USC win, now going on the road for the first time playing an Oregon team that's without its starting quarterback? Um, h- how do you think the Cougars will respond to that? Well, I think, um, you know, to answer the first part of the question, I do. I, I think this team's a little bit better equipped to handle kind of the way, you know, the way a season unfolds because they have better senior leadership. You know, Falk's a senior. They have a couple guys on defense that, um, you know, have really, unfortunately, one is hurt, Peyton Pelour, their middle linebacker. But, you know, they have a little bit better senior leadership. I also think from a staff perspective, you know, those guys are all settled in. The, the assistants are guys that, you know, have built a rapport with their uh, position groups now. And I think there's just a better top-down leadership mentality than there has been in the past, which allows these these guys to overcome some, uh, you know, the potential lulls that they might have heading into a game that, you know, they should win like an FCS opponent. Now, on the flip side of that, when you're talking about traveling to Oregon, that's a whole different beast because you just played five straight games at home. You, like you said, you're playing, you're feeling good after you beat USC, and now you go into Austin Stadium, which we all know is one of the toughest places in the country to play. You know, you're you're you got a team that's a little bit with its back against the wall, so to speak, when it comes to injuries. But you know, by and large, has got to have a lot of confidence. Therefore, you know, Oregon's four and one, and you know, probably feels like they're playing some pretty good football. And so, I think Washington State's really got to focus on starting fast because if you don't start fast down in Austin and Oregon gets some momentum that thing can snowball real quick and so I think for Washington State it's just a matter of recognizing the challenge they're going to face um, starting fast defensively they got to make sure they get after the quarterback and, and really get him off his spots um, and try and force some turnovers. We mentioned uh, Burmeister briefly earlier but you know this is a kid who's a true freshman uh, came in early for spring ball was uh, kind of mentored by Akili Smith down in Southern California. Uh, just with what you do with 7-on-7, seven seven, um, how much more prepared are some of these guys, especially the guys that enroll early, to play right away and, and be ready for the stage compared to you know, the guys like uh, 
maybe yourself or Herbert that just play in high school, maybe play some other sports and aren't, you know, year-round dedicated to the quarterback position? Yeah, you know, it's an interesting dynamic. I'm I'm also very fortunate uh, in what I do to be a part of um, the Elite 11 coaching staff, which is the program run by Nike and Trent Dilfer that, um, you know, selects the top 11 quarterbacks in the country, takes them up here to uh, to Portland for the opening. And, and Braxton was a kid that I, I met through that process. He was, you know, went to some of the regionals and was got pretty far down that, that process last year. And so, um, you know, was able to come across him in that and see what he was all about. So obviously no surprise that he's, you know, was in the conversation early at Oregon as a guy that was playing pretty well. Um, but, you know, to to your point, I think, you know, the development of the position, the quarterback position has, has really increased over the last, you know, handful of years. And, and there's good there's good parts and bad parts of that. And I think by and large, the, the players are better. They're better prepared to step in early. We see we see that all over. Even a kid like Justin, you know, had some degree of exposure to um, you know quarterback training or development, um, even more so than a guy like myself. That there was no way I would have been able to step in as a true freshman. I just flat out wasn't ready. And, and at the time, had played in a Sheldon program with with Marty and Lane Johnson that um, was probably the best at preparing guys for the next level. And, and but the quarterback position is so intricate that it requires so much more that, you know, even just a, a, a small level of it as a high schooler can take you up a notch. And now with, you know, the guys that do go through the Elite 11 process or guys that have an opportunity to train with somebody like Akili Smith are getting a ton of knowledge that they wouldn't have otherwise. And as long as it's channeled in the right direction and those kids are able to kind of manage expectations properly, by and large they end up being better college players than they would be otherwise. And they're certainly more prepared early on than they would be. Well, the seven-on-seven thing has become a little bit controversial. Coaches in the state of Oregon have expressed concern about just the culture of seven-on-seven, if it's becoming more like the AAU culture in in basketball. Um, Coming from the seven-on-seven side, what's your take on that? What what role do you see the seven-on-seven programs for a guy in high school who uh, is playing football and wants to be recruited at the next level? Yeah, it's certainly a hot button issue right now. Um, from from my perspective, seven on seven is you know strictly a developmental tool, and it's it is something that I think just like AAU, where there's good programs and bad programs. If 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 it's focused, you know, if the focus is on the wrong thing, then it, it can certainly be a bad uh, you know it can certainly be a bad piece. But on the flip side of that, if the focus is development and allowing kids the opportunity to train and get better in the off season, then I think it's it's a great tool. Seven on seven itself has been utilized by you know coaches and programs, college, professionally, high school for years in a practice setting. So if the same mentality is utilized in the off season, then I think it's a great thing. And competition and being able to be around other guys that love the sport, I think is great. I mean, the fact of the matter is, I grew up um, you know in Eugene and in in the Northwest, you know, playing football. But my main focus was was baseball because in baseball I could. You know, pick up a bat and go hit in the cage in January or, or go throw a bullpen in December, whereas in football, for the longest time, you know, the ball got rolled out in July and we said, hey, let's go, you know, let's go play football. And the fact of the matter is, when it comes to just general skill development, you know, that's not a recipe for success. And so we've seen, the, by and large, the talent in the state of Oregon has just continued to increase as kids put a little bit more time and effort into it. Now that, to, to be fair, you know, that's not saying take it away from your other sports. I'm a huge proponent of being a three-sport athlete and being able to 
play multiple sports and have fun and enjoy it. But for a kid that wants to play football at the next level, wants to do that and get better, then I think seven-on-seven, and more importantly, off-season development, is a great outlet for that. When you look at uh, major college football in the Pacific Northwest, it's interesting because with Oregon's rise the previous you know, 15 years or whatever, Washington happened to be down during that streak. Um, and now Washington's up, Oregon's kind of retooling. Do you think there's enough you know, good football players, coaches, et cetera, for Washington, Oregon, and Washington State to all be up at the same time, which you know, they're close to that right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think there's enough talent. I don't. I think that in general, I don't know if it all comes from Oregon and Washington, but uh, you know, as you recruit the West Coast, I know, you know, when I was playing at Washington State, the the coaches there had a big focus on, you know, you recruit kind of the the inland Northwest, Oregon, Montana, Idaho, try and get into Seattle, and then ultimately you, you go as you head down the West Coast into Northern California and Southern California. You know, there are, there's a ton of athletes, and, and more importantly in California, there's a lot of athletes that get overlooked by schools like USC and UCLA, and they're happy to come play for, you know, Oregon or UW or WSU so that they get an opportunity to go home and, you know, show their buddies that, hey, I deserve that opportunity at, at one of those schools in California. So I think there's enough athletes. I think, you know, the programs in the Northwest, and, and, and I'll say that Oregon State, you know, they're at some point – as they, you know, just like any cyclical, um, you know, cyclical opportunity for a program, it's going to come back around, and it's going to take some sort of catalyst, but they'll come back around as well. And I do think there's enough for all four of those schools to be able to compete at a high level, and I think it's great for the Pac-12. I think it's incredible for this area, and I think as I look at, you know, especially I've seen it in the state of Washington, as Washington and Washington State both rise, you're just continuing to see um, the profile of those schools grow and, and uh, you know, recognition of how quality the football is in the Northwest. And, and for me, that's exciting being a kid from this area. Alex, Alex last thing for me here. Um, when you look at Oregon right now, recruiting the state of Oregon, it's, it's a new staff. They're obviously recruiting nationally. They're getting a lot of kids out of, out of Florida. But what's been your perception of, um, of the job Oregon's new staff has done recruiting in-state kids? And, and are there some, some kids you worked with last summer um, that, that should be on the radar, that, you know, some names people should know of guys who maybe could end up playing for Oregon? Yeah, the the new staff's done an incredible job um, in the state of Oregon. Uh, I've been really impressed with, and not even just not even the re- necessarily the recruiting of athletes, but the effort to get out and and connect with high school coaches and, and kids and just be a presence. I know in the past the the you know some of that from older staffs had been well, you know we're the school in the state of Oregon, so ultimately the kids and coaches will you know, will pay attention to us. And, you know, that was kind of proven wrong over the last couple of years as some athletes from the state of Oregon went elsewhere, like University of Washington and other places. And so, um, you know, a credit to Willie Taggart and those guys. I was fortunate to spend some time with them during the spring and get to know both the offensive and defensive staff and Coach Taggart um, and was very impressed with their approach in that they wanted to get out show people that they were committed to the state of Oregon, both when they looked at scholarship players and walk-on players, which, you know, uh, the preferred walk-on can be the backbone. I mean, just look, Taylor Alley's going to be the starting quarterback for Oregon. He was a preferred walk-on. Those guys ultimately provide you depth long-term in a program, and, and if you do a great job in the state of Oregon, you're getting a ton of quality guys to help that, that depth. 
And so, I, you know, I've been really impressed with what their approach has been. You know, I look at the state of Oregon talent-wise, and if you just look at high school football in the state of Oregon right now, I mean, I think there's a record number of young men with Division One scholarship offers already, and I, mean, I could list off a number of them, but the fact of the matter is um, Oregon's already targeted a ton of guys. I know there's a couple um, current sophomores that, you know, were a part of our program at E-Force that um, Oregon has already offered, and those are guys, you know, that's a that's a new twist kind of for Oregon's recruiting strategy that I think is going to pay dividends because it shows kids around the state that, you know, Oregon's looking, no matter if you're a freshman, sophomore, junior, or senior to be, you know, they're going to be looking, and so been very impressed with those guys. Um, I'm, I'm excited, not necessarily from a Washington State, you know, fan alumni perspective, but more from a, you know, state of Oregon uh, proponent of the, you know, Oregon high school football to see what Oregon does in this state from a recruiting standpoint. Before we let you out of here, I want to ask you a little bit about Mike Leach because he's such a, a national. Uh, treasure, I guess you could say. Um, <laughs> That's the truth. When we, I only see him at the Pac-12 media days, and he's usually talking about, you know, whether a hot dog is a sandwich or whether, uh, you know, Texas sovereign immunity laws are just or not. Um, <laughs> what, what do you think makes him a good football coach? And do you think his quirky personality is kind of a perfect fit in Pullman? Because I notice now a lot of the national people are trying to get him one of these SEC jobs or whatever. Do you think he's long-term for Pullman? A hundred percent think he's long-term for Pullman um, because I think, you know, that his personality and his, um, you know, approach really only works in a place like that, right? Like mm-hmm. Lubbock, Texas or, or Pullman, Washington, because, you know, one, I think that's who he is as a person. I think he wants that. He wants to be able to, I mean, he, shoot, he walks to work every day, you know, a couple, two and a half miles or whatever it is, stops in at the local coffee shop and, you know, grabs a green tea. And, you know, he's just, he, that's the type of guy he is. I, don't, I can't imagine him living, uh, you know, living somewhere else, living in a bigger place or having more eyes on him on a day-to-day basis. Uh, you know, frankly, he's a guy that he keeps a, he keeps a, totally different schedule than anybody else in the country he goes into the office at like noon he stays late he's got you know he doesn't want to be told what to do because he believes in his process and frankly it's been proven that uh, if you let him kind of do his thing it'll work out now when people start jumping jumping in and trying to tell him what to do i think that's when things get off the rails a little bit as you saw at texas tech and uh you know uh, bill moose has done a great job kind of channeling that for Mike Leach and allowing him to, you know, set his path for his program. And so I think Mike Leach is long-term for Washington State. I think what makes him great as a coach is, you know, from an offensive standpoint, I mean, he is, I'm comfortable saying he's a genius. His offense is, um, it works. And now there's things that can be tweaked and get better. And you've seen kind of protégés of Mike Leach go on to have a ton of success as they've added things in. And I think Coach Leach is kind of getting to that. You see more formation shifts, more motions, a little some wrinkles, but the tried and true principles of the air raid offense work, and especially at the college level. And so, you know, I think that's one piece that's really important. He simplifies things from an offensive standpoint. Um, I also think he does an incredible job finding coaches um, on his staff that work really well together and support him in a way. You know, his the de- the hiring of Alex Grinch, the defensive coordinator, um, cannot go understated. That's a huge piece of the success at Washington State, and that was a Mike Leach hire, as as were most of the guys. So I think hiring of assistants, and then the, the, the last thing he does an incredible job of 
is motivating his team. You, you alluded to, you know, some of the losses, you know, to FCS schools early in the year, the past couple of years, and, and they've been bad. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Losing to Portland State, losing to Eastern Washington. I mean, it just it hasn't been good yet. He's still able, been able to rally those teams to eight, nine wins and bowl appearances after those losses. And so I think, um, and he does it in unique ways. We've seen it this year already. He called out the offensive line who wasn't playing very well. You know, tells the story about a Boise State offense or defensive lineman wiping the floor with the offensive lineman or whatever it was. And now you see over the last three games, they're averaging over five yards a rush and are having a ton of success on the offensive line. So uh, he's always done that. He always seems to call somebody out or a position group out every year and does a great job of motivating. Well, Alex, we really appreciate your time here. Thanks for joining us. Congrats on everything you've got going, and hopefully we'll, uh, we'll talk to you down the road. Yeah, I look forward to it, guys. Thank you so much.